Welcome home. This is the Residency Podcast. I am Jeff Damasic with Drew Belcher and Low Raven. Yes, sir. Bringing you the biggest guests and stories in entertainment, business, pop culture, and sports from our studio on the Las Vegas Strip inside the Mandalay Bay. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You know the drill. Big guest today. Morning episode again. We've been we've been on the morning <laughs> grind lately. Big time. Um, today we have rap legend, the king of Texas, and now the king of all cheeseburgers. <laughs> Bun B, welcome to the show, my man. Hey, man. Thank you guys for having me. This is a really cool setup y'all got here. Bro. We're just Thank hanging you. out. Great lighting. Everything's good. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Something to make us look a little uh, decent, at least. <laughs> yeah, at get, this that, get that face going. Probably, I got a radio you know? show. I got to step it up. <laughs> yeah, see? Get <laughs> that lighting up. up. The, the bright lights. Blown. The bright lights. We're trying to get the full TV atmosphere. I bet I look here, amazing you know? under these lights. You yes, do. Yes, for sure. You look fantastic. Your skin is glistening. Thank you so much. Anyone who's watching the camera right now, you'll see the face glowing right now. <laughs> Absolutely growing. Uh, look, since this is a Vegas show, yes. let's kick it off with your best Vegas story ever. Okay. Um, wow. There's a lot of different stories. I guess my best Vegas story ever, I walked um, Bernard Hopkins into the ring in Vegas to fight Antonio Tarver, oh. who at the time had this reputation of like taking out older boxers. Sure. And um, I walked Hop in the ring and Hop uh, took him out. Um, and then I went to my after party. This is the fun part. I went to my after party and they stopped me at the door and they told me I couldn't come in because I had too much jewelry. Jewel. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, this is my party. I'm, I'm, I'm literally on a come sign. On, check the oh flyer. Right, right, right. He refused to turn around. Right. Which was cool because I was already paid. So I got to, so I got to walk Hopkins in. Hopkins got a victory. I got paid for free for nothing in Vegas. We just went play slots and ate food. So you didn't perform some, that night? No, I didn't do anything. I was only supposed to host a party. Oh, wow. But I got paid for free. It was a great night in hey Vegas. Hey, guys, try to show up. Check your, dude, check your dude in the front. Yeah. Sorry. Hey, man, look, sometimes Vegas takes your money. This time I took Vegas. Yeah, there you go. I like that. There the house it is. doesn't always win. Yeah, That's great. <laughs> Bun B owns the house and there your cheeseburgers. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to say which casino, so I don't get banned. Oh, okay, good. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. fair. No competitive sex here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> when was that, by the way? Um. Wow. When When was was that, Red? That had to be like 05, 06, maybe? So it was like an oh, MGM Grand Garden, probably? Probably so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where huh? all the big fights were. About 06, right? Yeah. The classic good times. days of boxing. Good, good times. Good times. Sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That was like the old school fight weekends. Yeah, Vegas. yeah. yeah. There's amazing. nothing comparative to that. They tried now in Vegas, but those were just iconic. For sure. Absolutely iconic back then. Uh, tell us why you're here in Vegas right now, too. You're doing a, like a semi-food residency yes. here in Vegas. Tell us what's going on there. So Pepsi has this campaign called Dig In, right, which is an initiative to help minority-owned restaurants gain visibility, attraction, and get more eyes on their brand. So okay. they partner with the MGM Group, um, and what they're doing is they're allowing minority-owned restaurants to come in to two of their properties, create a dish, and actually have it on the menu at two MGM resort properties um, for a month residency. So it's like, cool. and it's crazy for me because I'm an artist, right? So a lot of my homies, they have musical residencies mm -hmm, they're right. all over there so drake two chains future all these guys have residencies in town for music well, i got a residency coming for food which i think is totally cruel that's flex yes and we got the podcast residency place. so we're oh, you know, there we're it is Look, together I, I, you know the residency i love this synergy man yeah. i really do <laughs> so where where is it going to be what's the dish when's it going to start 
So we are creating a specialty burger called the Trail House Burger. Okay. It's our it's a steakhouse burger. It's going to be at the public house in the Luxor. Okay. And it's going to be a Libertine Social in Mandalay Bay. Okay. And so that starts on November 6th till December 5th. So for a one whole month, you can come to Vegas and get yourself the Trail House Burger. Specialty burger, compliments of trail burgers right here at the Mandalay Bay and at the Luxor. I like it. Wow. Are you going to be here hosting any any events? I'm, I'm going to come in that weekend. So okay. the first day it's available, I'm going to. It's not anything that I have going with the hotel or whatever. I personally just want to be here. Yeah. Uh, when that happens. So, yeah, I'm going to go over to Liberty. Yeah, yeah. Because we've seen you on the grill on social media. Are you going to yeah. get back there and make the a couple grill? burgers? I mean, I did them yesterday. You okay. know what I'm saying? I was back there making some burgers yesterday. And this is it's different. This one isn't a smash burger, right? Okay, so that was going to be my next question. Yeah. So smash burger is you know that's a that's something you really have to like be on the grill and sure. kind of like watch and stand over it's very intense a very laborious process whereas a steakhouse burger is more of a traditional style burger sure. throw it on the grill let it get a good sear on it it can sit for a couple of minutes you can go over chop some onions tomatoes do all that other little prep stuff come back flip it hit it with some cheese but it's it's something that's going to be very easy to replicate it's going to be great every time and we built the system to make sure that the taste is consistent for every bite and every burger. So I'm just I'm just really excited. And it's a new burger for us. Yeah, what is your favorite style of burger? Is it the smash burger? It is smash burger. It's for the me. best yeah. by far. Yeah, I mean, because, uh, you know, you get the, uh, it's a texture thing for me, right? Sure. So you get the crispy edges, yeah. but it's still a little juicy inside with that super soft bun, because we use a potato roll for yep. our bun. Yep, Martin's so, potato roll, yeah, the so best. Yeah, so it's a super, super soft bun with that crispy texture and that, our patented trill sauce, I mean, you can't beat it. A lot of people will see them smash the burger down and they see that it's a smaller, thin patty. They think, yes. oh, it's so small. I want a big, juicy burger. They don't understand that smashed, crusted patty is entirely, extremely juicy. Yeah, and we get two patties on ours. So every trill burger, not the, smoke, the smokehouse burger, the trill house burger that we're making is one big five-ounce patty. Sure. Yeah. But the trill burger itself is two... Uh, two and a half ounce patty. So it, it ends up being like a five ounce burger, but it's not as filling because the smash burger, there's a lot of space in between that meat. So sure. it's not like a full, like thick patty. Yeah. But when you put two of them together, it's a fulfilling meal, but it doesn't leave you all like, oh, man. Sure, I'm sure. Yeah. It doesn't give you the itis. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, right. The, not, the sleepy burger. You yes, yes. The sleepy burger. By, by no. the way, how is, was this an obvious transition? How did Bun B go from everything that Bunby did to Burger Bunby. Well, I mean, this was something presented to me by a mutual friend of ours, Andy okay. Wynn, uh, restaurant to extraordinaire. Um, I've known Andy since he was in the clothing industry and um, he was owner of another brand in Houston. And uh, he approached me and asked if I wanted to be a part of the burger. I tried the burger. I thought it was really good. They was like, give us a little while. We're still doing a little R&D on it. They brought it back. I ate it. And not only was it the best burger I'd ever had, but it was one of the best food experiences I sure. ever had. This oh. burger was constructed in a way that it it literally it's it, it you feel different. I, I, it's hard to explain. Um, you just got to eat this burger. I can sit here and talk about the burger itself for an hour. I'm, yeah. We're ready. Uh, so the burger is. But we'll be there you, for grand opening. Of by course, the way. Yeah, yeah. I, but, but I mean, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with umami, which is considered like yeah, this, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So that's what you get from this burger, and it's very subtle. Um, this is not a complicated recipe. You know, most chefs would lose their mind if they saw exactly what it took to make this burger because it's right there in everybody's kitchen. Um, but Chef Mike created a culinary experience that most people don't get from a burger. Sure. And that's really what makes this different. The amount of flavor, the taste, the effort that's put into creating a trail burger is typically not put into making a burger at all. And because of that extra 
that extra trillness that we put into it, you get more out of it than ever. It. It's, it's, it's it. amazing, man. I it's a it. really great burger. I can't wait for you guys well, to try one. Two things. One yeah. is I can't wait to eat a trill burger with Bun B. For yeah. sure. That'll be a check off my, <laughs> lo- November, off, off my life list. High school life Drew list. is just salivating off right now. Off my life yeah. list, for sure. And, and second is for all of us, listeners, us, everyone, can you define the word trill? Yes. So... Everyone, you hear everybody say keep it 100, right? Yeah. It's very yeah. easy to keep it 100 when all eyes are on you, when you're in a public setting. Being trill is when you're going above and beyond the call of duty because you feel you have to, not because, you know, society says you should or you should be doing PC things. You should help your fellow man. It's just, no, you're intrinsically a good person trying to do good things with good people. Wow. Trill, everybody. Is what? it in the dictionary yet? Yeah, what a definition. It is, it is not, I don't think. We, we, we got to get that added. Yeah, We're going to sure. hit up Webster. They, Webster add a, they add one every year. They add a word every year. Well, hold on. Yeah. I'm going I'm to look at Urban Dictionary We're right going to get that. Well, yeah, Urban Dictionary. It's going to be. We need the full experience. Just, most people will say it means true and real. And that's, I, I, I'll allow wow, that. Wow, that's the exact okay. Urban Dictionary reservation. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> like true. true the exact one. And I... Bundy we'll wrote this, that by the way. We'll, no, Bundy no. wrote this. We'll, we'll, we'll accept that answer, okay. right? But it's that's very general, very sure. generic, right? The truer meaning is, is you know, looking out for you people, you know, um, really standing up for what you believe in, uh, going going that extra step, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Just, you know, it's very easy for me to phone it in, right? Mm-hmm. I could always phone these things in. Yeah. I can make up excuses to not be somewhere in person and all of that. No, with the every time we do a burger pop-up, I'm there. I'll make sure I get there when we're setting up. I don't leave till the last burger is sold. And, you know, I'm, I'm standing there sweating with my team. I'm putting in that same work and effort. That's why I'll get on the grill. I'll get on the fries. I'll go walk the line, make sure people are hydrated because we're in Houston. It's like 96 <laughs> degrees at, and, at night sometimes. Yeah. And people are in line sometimes for three, four, five hours. We've because, seen the lines. Yeah. And it's it's we every time we do a pop up, we accelerate the cooking process to produce more food in, in a quicker time. But let's say we scale four or five hundred people. 800 people show up, right? And then people come and they they don't want a burger, right? They want four burgers, six burgers. Yeah, my brother, my, my mom sent me here. I got to get everybody burgers. And so it just stresses the kitchen when one person, you know, we got to tie up half a grill just for one person's sure. order. And you got 500 people in line. We've literally had to make it a two burger only per person situation wow. now just to keep the line moving. That's a great thing. Yeah. You know? It's a great problem. These are all great problems. Great problem to have. Yeah. First, Talk about the great first problem to have. world problems <laughs> yeah. personified. You know, these are, these are trill problems. Those are these are trill <laughs> yeah. problems, people. I like that. These trill are trill problem. problems. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not real problems, trill problems. I love uh, it. By the way, are is the traditional like trail smashburger ever going to come to Vegas? Can we get some secret news? Yeah, no. I mean, look, we're we're trying to accelerate the brick and mortar process as soon as possible. But the 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 goal for this company is to make sure that every time anyone has a trail burger, that it's the same experience. You know, yeah. I travel extensively. I've been to Nobu domestically, internationally. I get the same dishes at every restaurant, and it's always the same. Like it always tastes good. It's always of a high quality of execution, great service. And that's what I want to do. Even if it's just, I don't take my burger lightly. Maybe everybody else sure. takes their burger lightly, but this thing is called Trill Burgers. It's got my name on it. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Literally, it's got 30 years of blood, sweat, and tear equity that I built into that brand, into this burger. So I'll take all the time it takes to make sure that when people get it, they can get it the right way. But I just got to have one door for two, three years just to really lock in on the process so we can make sure that when we open multiple doors that we can replicate it properly and be consistent, then that's fine. I got all the time in the world to get rich with this burger. I'm in no rush. And that's smart because, I mean, obviously you're Bun B. You know, we all know that. 
and you have tons of ties and connections in the industry and outside the industry, it could be so easy. Because we've all seen the celebrities try the burger. They love the burger. Yes. I'm sure you've been approached by all your friends with the tons of money. The camera cuts <laughs> off and somebody offers me seven figures. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every single time. That's what time. I'm saying. And, but, I mean, look, if I, if I took all the money everybody you know, wanted to give me, this burger would turn into almost a Ponzi scheme because there was no way I could fulfill everyone's needs in terms of the food, the, the quality, the consistency, right. right? I'd end up with a bunch of money, but the brand would die before it even really started. Yeah, and I this is something saying. that I really, I believe could be generational, right? For every one of us that helped to create this company, I think this is something that our kids' first job could be at Trill Burgers, right? You know, this, this is something that my grandkids, my granddaughter is 13 years old. She does the merch for us. Stop. Oh, yeah, it. so she wants to be super involved with the company, you know? And I think it's a great opportunity for her to learn just about, you know, finance and, but also like, she sees me, I'm out there, right? Being kind to people, you know? She's seen all the fancy stuff and sure, all the big sure. names and all of that, but she sees me now like actually sweating, right? When we get, you know, we're typically afforded the opportunity to avoid that kind of stuff, right? But she sees me out there sweating, thanking people, shaking hands, taking pictures out there, and she's watching, you know? She sees that she can actually be a part of helping to build this company. When she's 40 years old, she'll be the chairman of this thing, I believe, you know, doing TED Talks and everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. That, that's the plan I, I want for my kids, Mike's kids, Andy's kids. All of our kids should be able to be a part of helping to build this brand. I like it. Yeah. Monster. That's a November, November 5th, we're having a, we're having a trail burger with Bumby. For sure. Yeah, man, no We're having a trail burger with On Bumby. me. There you go. There you go. Oh, wow. On this me. This is big. This is going to be it. big. Uh, all right, can we talk a little music right now? Absolutely. Can we, can we back, get, get into the Bumby music world for a yes. second? Um, you have songs with pretty much every artist ever <laughs> what's your favorite feature that you've ever done that's a good question um i really I, i'll be honest man um because i get access all the time and you know everybody it, it's it's beyonce i think looking back in retrospect uh as of today like really looking back that i think that's going to be the big one because it was for a pink panther movie yep. right starring steve martin i grew up on snl <laughs> Right. You know, King Tut. I'm, I'm a huge Steve Martin fan, right? Um, a huge Saturday Night Live fan, huge Pink Panther fan, huge Beyonce fan. Um, but the craziest thing about the collaboration was it was for the movie, but they didn't do a soundtrack. They only did one song, and that was the check-up on a song with me, her, and Slim right. Thug. So it was very singular of a moment. There was only one song, one video. One, that was the whole promotion because she was in the movie, so they didn't feel that they needed to surround it with a bunch of music. And uh, I remember we had just landed. I can't remember where we came from. We had just landed and my phone rang and it was Matthew Knowles, her dad. And he was like, hey, we're doing this record. It's for this movie. Um, if you're around, man, you can come by the studio. We'd love to have you. And I'm like, I'm on my way. Yeah, and I literally yeah, drove sure. there and wrote the song and recorded it. And then Hype Williams shot the video. And so the big thing for Hype Williams was there was always the star of the video would be blowing smoke from a cigar but I knew Beyonce wasn't going to do yeah. the cigar. Oh. So as soon as I got on set, I went straight to Hype. Hype, who's doing the cigar? He's like, nobody, you want to do it? I'm like, yes. So it was like yes. a two for one. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It was like a two for one for me. But yeah, no, I think I think looking back, easily Beyonce is by far the biggest star I've ever had the opportunity to do a song with. And I've actually done two at this point now, right? Because we did the other song that we did. Um, yeah. So yeah, now I've been able to do two songs with Beyonce. That was a massive track. Third one's going to be a charm. Putting go. that out there. Hey. Putting that out there. Beyonce. Which one is that one? That one I'm talking to you. <laughs> Whichever right? one you, you want. Right you right there. Yeah. <laughs> Third 
Third one's a charm. Holla at me. Yeah. That was a massive track. Dude. Oh, that was a big. Yeah. That was a great opportunity. That was me. unbelievable. I didn't see you as a low-key Steve Martin fan, too. I love that. Yeah, fire. <laughs> I love that. I love that. By the way, speaking of songs with Beyonce, then, can we talk about probably one of the most iconic songs ever? What was it like filming the big pimpin' music video with Jay-Z? That was, that was very interesting. So that was actually, um, I was supposed to be, if you look on the video, it starts with, with them on the boat, on yeah. the big yacht. Yeah. I'm not on the yacht. And the reason I'm not on a yacht is because that might have been maybe... The f I, I believe it was the first time in my life I ever missed a flight. Wow. Ray, can you confirm that? I think I think wow. that might have been the first time in my life I ever missed a flight. You missed and, the flight to the Daisy Big Pimpin' video? And that's the flight I missed. No. Oh, no. That's wild. Well, it's not like I could do much. I, yeah. I was married at that point anyway, so not yeah. like I could really do much. But no, just the idea of being on a yacht in Trinidad, right? Yeah. Like, so I got there for the carnival and, and you know, all the walking and stuff. They had already done all the ballers, so... Um, but um, we, I mean, we really, really had a, a great time. We were not out there like as celebrities. We were like, I remember Lil X. Um, it's crazy because the director was Hype Williams. The um, the the DP director of photography was Little X, who is now a world renowned video director. And the first assistant director was Benny Boom, who is now um, a film director actually created the Tupac yeah, biopic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all of these guys were just kind of all like really at the height. Hype was at the height of his fame at that time. This was the first million dollar budgeted rap video ever. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now rap videos have had budgets that went over that ended up costing a million dollars, but they literally blocked one million dollars just for this music video. I remember that that time in that stage of like where hip hop was, that when that music came out, it was like the biggest production. It was, I had never seen anything like it. It was the first video, uh, first rap video, I think on Make It A Video uh, on MTV. On MTV, yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, it was just, it accelerated so quickly. And then like within, I want to say three months, it was the number one record on the planet. Huge. You know what I'm saying? But the video shoot was crazy because we were out there guerrilla style, right? Like, there, we only had, like, one set thing to do where we were on a float during the big carnival parade. But everything else, X was like, yo, let's go over here and try to find this party. And so we're in a van driving around Trinidad, <laughs> and we, we get out the van, and I think we were supposed to make a left. We made a right, and we were not where we were supposed to be. It was very evident, and we got this very expensive camera equipment. It's like four men and like six girls because they're trying to. We're trying to get. There's a party that happens during Carnival called Juve, where they just throw a bunch of paint and mud at mm -hmm. each other, and they were trying to get that on film, and we did not make it to Juve. <laughs> <laughs> like there was a lot of travel detour. issues. Yeah, in this yeah, big we video, but uh, they they were very gracious. We were like, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. We're gonna. We're gonna just oh, see you guys later. Enjoy your we're night, do and they let us just just go in. I mean, they could have taken full advantage of sure, us in that sure. moment. But wait, so this video was filmed actual during the actual carnival festival? Yes, this was filmed in Trinidad and Tobago. Okay. Like so it wasn't like pre-planned or anything. This was no, no. Okay, I mean, wow. we literally just showed up on the island with cameras and just kind of <laughs> oh, just did your thing. Just went for it. We the only thing we had planned was the biggest uh, soca star in the world is uh, Marshall Montana. And he had a float, and so we were on his float. Okay. But that was the only thing that was, like, scheduled. Got it. That and the boat. Everything else was just us in fields and near beaches and stuff like that. But the craziest thing about Big Pimpin' is that Pimp C never showed up yeah. in Trinidad. He did not want to fly. He was always a little bit nervous sure, about planes sure. and had never flown internationally. So he was like, I don't want to get on a 
I didn't want to get so on the plane. So where did you shoot his part? In Miami. So Got we it. had to, we had, and we were in Trinidad for like three days and they were just sitting there every day waiting for him, waiting for him. So they never shot me. They only, they ended up shooting me on the third day because they kept waiting. Like, no, we're going to wait and shoot you when, sure. when pimp comes. And I'm like, fuck, I ain't going to, excuse, excuse my language. I'm you like, can curse. You say whatever okay. you want. I'm like, yeah. fuck, I ain't going to never be go. in this video because he ain't coming. Yeah. And, <laughs> the then on, like, and then on the third day, it was like, is he coming? I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. And they're like, fuck it, just. Go just shoot something of him out here and we'll figure it out. And so we all had to come back to Miami and uh, do a whole day of pickup just to get him in the video. Did you all, did you guys, when you and Jay and Pimp were writing the song, did you guys all know what was going to happen together? Because usually like when you have a feature, right? Like someone does a piece of song first and they bring someone else in, but Jay literally spells out your name in the chorus. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well so what happens was is that there was another chorus for this song for Big Pimpin'. Mm. Um, and the idea was that every rapper was supposed to write their own chorus. Got it. Um, but they ended up using my chorus for the whole song. So the chorus that you hear is the chorus that I wrote to go with my verse. And that ended up becoming the, the chorus, chorus for right. the whole song. Wow. Got it, got song. it. So it just kind of ended up happening that way. Uh, Pimp was not a fan of doing the song, so he actually like fought against actually doing the song for a long time because he was, he was concerned that because Jay-Z and UGK did not share a mutual fan base, there right. was not a lot of overlap at the time. And Jay-Z was a very big star, so he recognized that this song was gonna be presented to a lot of people who probably had not heard of UGK before. Mm-hmm. And he thought that people would think this was the kind of music that we make, which was, it was far from the kind <laughs> of sure, music right. that sure. we make, you know? So he was just concerned about people misunderstanding who we were in the moment. And my whole thing was like, We'll figure that shit out later. Let's yeah. just let's just go do this because Jay Z was the biggest thing since sliced bread at yeah. that time. Yeah, and I'm like, this thing is finna go. And it was funny because on that album, that was not supposed to be then. Like we were supposed to be like the fourth single off the album. So the first single was a song he did with Mariah Carey that was supposed to be this huge record. Yeah, and it just didn't connect. Yeah. with people. Meanwhile, everybody's like, yo, the song y'all got with. UGK, that's different. That's kind of cool. <laughs> right. And so it just like, yeah, I think we're going to shoot this video in the summer. And it was like, yeah, we think we're going to shoot it in March. Yeah, we're, we're going to shoot it in Trinidad during Carnival. We got a million dollar budget. We're leaving Friday. It's just MTV's going to shoot. Every, every call, just saw, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then we literally finished shooting on a Saturday. And it debuted on MTV on Monday. Oh, Like wow. making the video. Every, it just, the acceleration of this was bananas. I had never seen anything like it. And within three months, it was the single most played record on the planet. And that was like, I think the biggest impact of that music video. Cause like you said at that time, it was like movie style production yes. level. And like with the height of TRL and with MTV and the music videos being like that at that moment was like such an impactful e- thing. Everything that the music industry and the entertainment industry encompassed, like kind of all came together yeah. at one point for our song. It was insane. Everything that's afforded to the biggest of entertainers was there for us. Every marketing opportunity, branding, promotion. I, I, I've i never had that many eyes on me in my life. And to this day, I can go anywhere on this planet and hear that record, play that record, or perform that record, and everyone in the room 
knows it and everyone receives it the same way. It's literally my international calling card. You wow. know, it's a like, I think one of the biggest things about that song is there's a couple, there's like, there's a lot of songs like this, but not a lot or right. not like a ton is that when you just play a beat for like a couple seconds, everyone, everyone knows what everyone it is. Everyone immediately knows it's about to come on. And that's why I said, and everybody got it the same way. This yeah. is a very rare thing when everyone feels the song the same way, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it comes on and it just Happy. sets off this chain reaction of emotion in the room because everybody's like, oh shit, because it takes you back to that time. Like I say, this was the era for my generation, that was the era of indulgence. That's sure. when we bought all the jewelry, all the cars, had all the women. That was that was that time for our generation. For this generation, it's right fucking every day. Like, yeah. like they're all getting big money. They're all living an amazing life. I, I think it's amazing. That's it was crazy, but, but we're just obviously massive fans of because that moment for us too when yeah. we were like growing up in that culture, listening to music, it was like an explosion at that time. And that's right? all people did was watch music videos. That yes. was the way for you guys sure. distributed the music at the time because there was no social media, there was no Facebook or phones. Is you had to watch MTV, watch a music video, see it, like yeah. that song, and then go buy a physical CD. You had to work yeah. hard to listen <laughs> to that album. Song. You know, like if you think about it now, like how much effort you had to put in if you really liked a track. Like oh, wait no, for it on no. the radio or the like stuff was sit not there accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was not as easily accessible as it is now. If you wanted to hear a song or you wanted to see a video, you had to fucking run home from school yes, and yep. try to get there and just catch in it. time. Earn it. You but had that to earn shit it. Come, yeah, because we didn't have TiVo and all of that shit to record it, right? If you were lucky, like if you if you were very, very lucky, you had a VCR that you knew how to program at time record and maybe record yeah. something. <laughs> but I mean, but that literally would have been like the highest end VCR at the time and yeah. everybody didn't have that. So for us, it was just hurry the fuck home. Like if you wanted to see like television, like if, if, if people can binge nowadays, right? But if you wanted to see like New York Undercover, you had to be home at eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. If you wanted to see, you know what I'm saying? If you wanted to see like Martin, Mark, you had yeah, to be yeah. home at seven o'clock. There was no other way to see this stuff. And if you missed it, missed that stuff on Sunday night, you went to school on Monday morning, everybody was talking about yeah, that no, shit. Clueless. You, yeah, yeah. You're just, Loser. <laughs> Just, just imagine, just imagine for all the Game of Thrones fans out there, if they, if the only way you could see Game of Thrones was being home at Sunday at nine o'clock p.m. Oh, period. They don't, they don't know what you're talking about. Right. You just you're, said the word Tivo, and they're like, maybe he mispronounced a real word. I don't know. What <laughs> they have no idea. I have no sure. idea what he just said. That's crazy. Uh, like honestly, that that's. I love to hear the stories about things after the fact, after they've already been mega successful. Like you go back and look in to see the process that went happen. Yeah. Because most of the times we ask our guests about like some of the most iconic moments, it never happened as an obvious oh, no, iconic no, no. moment, right? You, it was like you, an you, accident or like a random moment that just happened. You never know in the moment, like in the studio, you play a song, right? But the the sound in the studio is designed to make every fucking thing sound amazing. Crazy, sure, right? sure. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So in the room, in the moment, it will sound like, oh shit, we just, we just reinvented the wheel in this motherfucker. Like right, right yeah. now, like we're all finna be millionaires. And then, you know, you you played on the radio and everybody's like, yeah. It can be super heartbreaking. You know what I'm saying? So you could think you're making a hit record and it could be a full on dud. And you could think you can you're making a record like and you know, Big Pimpin was more of a filler really record, right? It was not designed to be a primary single, right? Like I said, maybe fourth, fifth single, maybe something for the summer. You know, but after all of the big primary shit was done, right. maybe we'll get to that, right? And it ended up being, quite frankly, the biggest song of both of our careers. It's his bigger record. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so you have a uh, a lot of obviously 
songs that have come in and been successful then and now what's yes. the biggest difference between early 2000s hip-hop and now the ability to capitalize off of the record yeah, yeah. right um you normally back then you had to sell 10 songs to one person right, right. through one outlet like 10 songs one album that was it people had to buy the album for you to make money off of the album but now you can make one song right and release it through eight different streaming networks, YouTube, social media, TikTok. It ends up on television commercials and movies, sporting events, all of these different places. So it, instead of having to convince people to buy 10 songs, yeah. now all you have to do is convince people to buy one song. It's and you crazy. get more rich and make more money and have more notoriety off of one song resonating with millions of people than an entire album. Most people don't even really put the effort into putting a an album that really presents itself um, as a body of work. Yeah. Keep talking. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like when you see like a Kendrick Lamar album, right? It's one of those things where it's, you have to listen to it into its entirety in order for it to make sense. Right. Right. But that takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of thought to put into that, to make that happen. And most people simply, they're not, they're not trying to do it because quite frankly, the majority of fans don't require you to do that. Most people just want to hear a good beat that they can dance to, nod their head to, a few words that make sense, sound fun to say, right? A couple of one-liners that, you know, that's cool to say for everybody. But the idea of people trying to present themselves as a true, pure artist nowadays, it's almost not even worth the effort because you put so much time and energy and money into something like that. And then people may not even see it, right? You create something that's 12 songs. And in order for you to fully understand the story I'm telling, you got to listen to it from one to 12, right? Right. But if song six has future or song eight has yeah, Drake, they're, gonna, they're not waiting. They're going to jump around. For yeah, sure. they're going to go. Right. The, the Drake fans are going to go straight to the new Drake song. Yeah. Future fans are going to go straight to the future song. Little baby song. Megan Thee Stallion. It's, they're going to gravitate to those features, which is why you do that. One, because they're great artists. Two, but also because now you bring their fan base into play with Absolutely. your music. Right. You know what I'm saying? But we talked about too, like a couple of the music artists we had in the past was just the like, importance of like the CD booklet back in the day and just like the whole feeling when you wanted to listen to an album from start to finish. And like, yes. Maybe how that's changed a bit dramatically now too, because no one drops singles. Everyone drops singles from the album. Yeah. And now people are just like, have a hot song. It needs to be out tomorrow. Have yeah. a hot song. That, that, needs that, to be out tomorrow. That booklet used to frame like the conversation or what the message was. Or yeah, like, yeah. No, no. It was, it it was, was part, be. like you said, it was part of the presentation yeah. of the project, right? right? So there was the music component. Then there was the liner notes, which used to be a huge deal for albums, right? The liner notes were where you got to talk about the process. Sometimes you could put the um, the list, uh, the lyrics in there. Yeah. You know, you could talk about where you recorded, what your inspirations were, you know, original artwork by members in the band, all of these different ways for you to make it a more immersive experience for people. Right. Or now for people, that's just that's just content. It's just videos, visuals, BTS scenes, you know, everything. They just want more content. They just want more of you, more of you, more of you. Artists used to be able to, to build these fan bases because there was always a little bit of mystery to them, right? Like, you always wanted to know more. You always wanted to see more. Like, who who does he go home to? What kind of car does he drive? Right? Those were the things we used to wonder about people. And unless Barbara Walters or somebody went to their house, right? We didn't know that shit. Barbara look, Walters, yeah. look, but, but look at, because, yeah. like, you know, she was invited into people's homes. Right. Look yeah. at how MTV Cribs blew off yeah. immediately. Exactly we got to see the kind of furniture people had in their homes. Oh, damn, I wouldn't have thought he what had was a, in the I wouldn't have thought he had a koi pond. He doesn't look like a koi dude. You know, yeah. all of this different stuff. Dude, he's got 
18 trucks. Who the fuck needs 18? Right, like right, all right. of this different stuff. You know, oh wow, Rick Ross has a train set in his house. All of this kind of stuff that you wouldn't know. So that was the only way people actually got to see a little bit more behind the curtain, so to speak. Well, for some artists, there is no curtain. You get yeah. to see everything. You get to see where I go eat. You know, the kind of concerts I like to watch, the movies I go to, where me and my girl go on dates, where do I vacation, all of that kind. You get to see all of these things. What's my favorite shoe? Who makes my jackets? All of this shit. There's literally nothing um, that you don't get to see from an artist nowadays. And it's literally the artist that creates the best lifestyle experience, not necessarily the best music. But the best lifestyle experience. Like, we love Future's music, but we really love Future's memes, yeah. right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So even when he's not making music, we're constantly seeing Future. We're, we're, we're engaging with Future, right? Right. So even when... And that's the beauty of, of modern times for modern artists is that they don't even have to be currently creating artists to still have resonance and build fans. Yeah. Do you, do you like it better then versus yeah. no, now? I like it better now. Because the artists have more power than they've ever had in the industry. And that's all we ever wanted, right? Was power and the freedom to make the music we wanted to make without filters, without buffers. Just give it straight to the people and let the people decide whether or not they wanted to fuck with it. As opposed to some A&R mm-hmm. or some vice president who has never been where I've been. Has no frame of reference for my culture, my lifestyle, my city, the people I'm talking to. Why, why should they make decisions for the listeners? YouTube literally just took down that wall and right. it allowed you know soldier boy was the first U- true youtube star because he released no record label would have signed soldier boy right yeah. you know what i'm saying based on way he was presenting and how how he presented himself with the rubber bands no one because they couldn't times, see it right you know they couldn't see it but that was the thing that that kind of leveled the playing field and so now artists do not need a major record company or a major distribution company to get their music to the people. They can use SoundCloud. They can use Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They can go straight to Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play Store, all of these places, and give their music directly to people. Is you the money way better now with streaming than it was it, trying to sell a full CD? No, the money is not better, I would say, streaming um, per se, but there are still f- enough physical sales to make it very much worthwhile right. for people. But if you're completely monetized, specifically on like a YouTube, right? Where now those numbers, you know, those numbers tend to be a lot bigger. Right. And so you have more chance of recuperation of funds in that way. But these things allow you for a deep connection with people. And that's the thing that really keeps the money going is the fact that you're still connected to the people. You can make that stuff up on merchandising and touring and whatnot. But if you're in a major system, Right. And, and you're popping. They're going to give you some money, but you're probably going to be signed to a 360 deal yeah. where now your record company not only gets money from your record sales, they, they get money from your streaming. They get money from your touring. They get money from your merchandise. They get money from your features. You know what I'm saying? Anywhere that you or your music generates income, they now have a percentage and a, and a vested interest in that. So they'll even call you and be like, hey, man, somebody wants to book you in fucking over here. You know what I'm saying? Tell so-and-so to call this guy so you can get that so I can get this. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, deals. yeah. Like, I like those new T-shirts, man. Send us a couple and let me know, you know? Like, yeah. Let me know how many you sold. Yeah, let me know how many you sold. Like, like there's, there's the accounting in the, in the entertainment industry. I won't just put it in music. The accounting in the entertainment industry is a thing of beauty. Like, if they could have it their way, no one ever recouped a dime, you know. Right, it just is sure, in the sure. funnel. Yeah, funnel. yeah, no, you're just 
you're still under. We still didn't get this. We're still waiting on that. We're still, we, you know, <laughs> but we could give you an advance. So it's all designed to kind of keep you in the red. Sure. You know, and get all of your good energy, basically suck you dry before you're rich enough or smart enough to know how to do it on your own. Yeah. So anytime I see young guys doing it independently, I always encourage it. You know what I'm saying? Because if you don't have to be in the system, um, I would say stay out of it entirely. But if you do have to go to the system, go with power, go with weight. You know what I'm saying? If you build up a buzz and have notoriety, notoriety independently and you don't need them, now you can you you have more of leverage at the table and you can determine the structure of your deal and how much you want to give up. You know what I'm saying? But if you go in as a new artist, oh, man, I want to be in, I want to rap. I want to be on TV and all of that. They'd be like, OK, cool. Here's a couple of bucks. Here's three videos. And I will never make it down. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's horrible. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's better all the way around because these guys actually own their masters now, which my generation never had an option no one to did, do. Yeah. Um, they own all their publishing outright, you know, licensing rights. They have more power in their hands than entertainers of any generation have ever had. You know what I'm saying? So I think now, yeah, it's absolutely better for the yeah, artists. And options, right? Like they yeah, can no. pivot and do other things yeah. and sponsorships they can be, and, and They can be actors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, can, they can be sports cast. They can be anything they want. Look at Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg literally has every job. <laughs> every like, job. Snoop Dogg has Snoop. every job he's gotten. I don't know a check that Snoop hasn't gotten. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and he should be because he built his brand. He built Snoop Dogg up. No record company made Snoop Dogg the lovable person that ever, he's probably the single most recognizable rapper on the planet. Maybe second to Tupac. Maybe second to Tupac, right? But he's literally probably one of the 10 most visible brands on the planet, right? Like Shaq, Snoop. These people are household names around the world. And he built that up with personality and character and work ethic. You know what's crazy too, as far as like Snoop is because there's a lot of famous people, even brand names who people know, but there's another level of corporations who are really willing to pay those people big money to rep yes. their products. Yeah. And you could go into like a store and see Snoop Dogg on Bic lighters with Martha Stewart. And then you turn on your TV and Snoop's walking. <laughs> Corona commercial. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And like, then he's do, hosting events for like the Triller boxing matches or that like, he's just doing everything. Shows. He's personable. He's personable. He's, Halftime he's, shows, he's right? He's personable, right? We know Snoop's a celebrity. Snoop knows he's a celebrity. He hosted the Olympics. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dude, what? Fuck, Crazy. But he's still like the everyman. Yeah. yeah he right? Is. Like he's in all these different places that you know Snoop doesn't really know what the fuck he's got. Like what? <laughs> like Snoop, I don't even think Snoop drinks beer. Really? I don't even think Snoop drinks beer. He Cut sells check Corona. He sells you know shit Yeah, for sure. But they literally now they built a can built around yeah. his brand. That's how strong of a brand he is. He doesn't even have to use the product to, to push the product. Yeah, and he's generational. Like my dad loves Snoop Dogg. And my yeah. dad's 60 years it's, old. I'm like, Dad, what the fuck do you mean you love Snoop Dogg? He's like, I love Snoop Dogg. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and then again, this is this is not the young Snoop Dogg, right? Yeah. There's been a, an amazing transition, an amazing level of maturity that came with him getting to where he is, but also a very real sense of knowing who you are in this world and how to market yourself properly. You know what I'm saying? He's done an amazing job of being the man, the band, and the brand. That's that's kind of how I look at myself. I am the man, Bun B, I'm the, the band, UGK, and I am the brand, Trill Burgers, right? And with that kind of knowledge, I can utilize everything I learned in terms of branding and marketing, promotion, um, Meets, meets and all these meet and greets that I've done prepared me to walk the lines right. of my burgers. You know what I'm saying? Sitting in record stores for two hours, taking pictures with people, taking that that's that prepared me to stand in line in the sun and 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 all of that. You know, 
performing for people, entertainment industry is a service industry. Most people don't look at it like that, but okay. it's a service industry. You're there to provide a product for people. You're expected to present something to people. There's a high level of investment in you making sure that you don't fuck up this experience for people. That's the service industry. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so in that sense, I'm 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 taking everything I already know about how to serve people and make sure they have a good experience and just bringing it from music to food. For me, there's no difference. There's literally no difference. Yeah, devil's in the details for each of them, the really. Be, the only difference I will say between selling music and selling burgers is that once I sell you the album, the album's sold, you got it, you get to listen to it, repeat if, you know, sure. repeat listen, but the burger, you gotta keep buying that bitch. You're right. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? So once, I get, you, so, right. so once yep. I get you in and I get you to try the burger and you love it, now you got to keep coming back yeah. to buying it. But with the album, I only got to convince you to buy it once. Sure. Yep. You, you know? got to keep making new albums. Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you know but now streaming allows for repetition. Right. For sure. You know what I'm saying? So now right. people want to hear the song more than once. They have to stream it and keep streaming it over and have over. Have recently yeah. you had like an old song go viral on the streams on like an old track, like skyrocket? Oh, uh, I mean, well, yeah. Every time Drake says something, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he just put in, he just uh, sampled us on, on his last album. And I mean, but anytime these young artists, and we have guys, they remake tons of different records from us. Some of them very obscure, some of them more well-known, but it reintroduces the music to an entire new fan base. Yeah. But also, obviously, because I own my publishing, I still make money right. off, off of that music when it's presented and redone, reproduced or interpolated. There's still um, financial benefit to me for that. But it's really just about keeping the stuff out there, keeping it going, keeping it fresh. Because yeah. people go like, oh, this is, what was this song? And then their big brother, oh, you don't know that? That was this. And then they go back and listen to it like, oh shit, Need this is cool. If you it. go, if you look on YouTube, that's a big thing now is people listening to like older big records of for course. the first time. Sure. Reacting you know, to them, yeah, right? reaction yeah. videos. You know what I'm saying? We get tons of those. Like um, a son played One Day for his dad and One Day is obviously a very emotional record. And he was like, wow, this is extremely poignant. I've never heard anything like this. This yeah. is an amazing record. And so we, we, we're consistently through technology being reintroduced to people. You know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, the benefits of the modern artist still reflect on those of us in the past. Oh, a thousand so percent. Cool. You've been, yeah. you've made a massive impact on a lot of these artists and they show you the love for that. Yeah, for no, sure. no. And I appreciate every bit of, yeah. you know, most people criticize, um, not just younger artists, but the youth in general, you know what I'm saying? And that tends to be a, a big part of why they become even more rebellious. You right. know what I'm saying? I think if we took more time and listen to them out and really go to the real story behind where does all this come from? Where does this anger come from? Where does this anxiety come from? How did you experience this pain? If we start asking those questions, maybe we would understand where the music come from, you know? Yeah. But, you know, some people just want to dance and they don't care about it. Sure. They just want to have fun. Going yeah. back to what you are saying about Drake, too. What is it like been working with artists like Drake? I mean, to watch people like Drake, like Lil Wayne, you know, at a very young age, be so adept at what they're doing. Your primary goal is to make sure they stay the course, right? Because you can see their path a lot clearer than they can. And you can also see what their distractions are going to be, right? So obviously with Drake, it was the women. Right. We, we already knew. Um, but what, what he was doing, right, every, all of these different experiences that he's having with these women become songs. Right. These women actually become characters in Drake's story. Sure. Some of them make appearances at concerts. Sure. They actually have like what becomes something of a nuisance for some at first actually becomes like a badge of honor yeah. at the end at the end of the point, because it's like, well, every woman wants Drake like you had him. How did you get him? What was it? You know, and then you realize, damn, it, you know. 
he wasn't even all of that back then, but I guess he was nothing. Yeah. How did the feature on Uptown come about? Because I was on Drake's So Far Gone. So I was recording uh, my album at the time and he was still a very new artist. Um, Jazz Prince, who is James Prince, the owner of Ravelot Records, had found him through YouTube and had brought him to Lil Wayne. And so they were working on the project and Every day, Jazz was like, Unc, we're trying to close out this mixtape. I need you on this mixtape. All right, I got you. I got you. Next day, Unc, I got it. And he kept asking me. And like maybe on the fifth day, I was le- I was walking out the studio, like literally walking out the door. And my phone rang and I looked. It was him. Like, I said, Corey, I said, Corey pull, pull the, the Jazz song up. Hey, Jazz, yeah, I'm finna, I'm finna knock it out right now. I'm finna get it to you right now. And I was like, the kid never asked for nothing. I've known him since a teenager, you know, early teens. They never asked me for anything. I was like, least I could do is give this kid this verse. Sure. And I give him the verse and a mixed and the reason he was calling and calling because they were trying to make a deadline. But even after they got my verse, I think they were still waiting on Trey songs. Uh, they were still waiting on somebody verse uh, after mine. And so the mixtape ended up not coming out till like two weeks later. And then he did the first show, which I think was at NYU or something. And the whole audience was just all girls and they're all singing every word of every song. I'm like, fuck is this and then he goes to atlanta for the second show and there's even more people and more girls and they're all singing more songs louder and louder and so the third show is in houston that's when you hear him say backstage at warehouse live yeah 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 his bun coming that was his first um show in houston and i went to the show and i was just like this this is different because i'd only heard what I'd done until right. the mixtape dropped. And I'm like, wait, so this kid sings and all of that? Yeah. Then I find out he's an actor. And all <laughs> yeah. Then he gets there and he's like, he's singing, but he's making these very subtle, like, yeah. <laughs> gestures, right? Like, <laughs> like it was, it was, oh, I, I we're guess gonna that's clip a, that. We're gonna I, clip that. I think that's a Canadian thing because it was almost sure. like how Bieber's kind of like, yeah, they're all soft. You know, yeah. I'm sorry you fell in love with me, you know, type <laughs> yeah. of thing. I didn't mean to do that. You know, yeah. I was just trying to chill. Sure. Kind of, and you can see, and I, my wife came and I told my wife, I've been telling my wife, she's wide, she's wide. So her and her friends came and they went like in the pit, like between the stage and the barrier. And he was literally like serenading them. And they're just like, melt. my wife, I'm watching my wife <laughs> melt in front of this little Canadian kid. Yeah. Like, what the hell is, what is this? And we real, I'm realizing right there, I'm like, yo, this is, this is different. Drake's real. Yeah, yeah, like he's actually talented. He can rap, he can sing. He's also better looking than most of us. Sure, like he's better looking than most of us. Yeah, like we've, that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a, that's a potential problem. This is unacceptable. Because a lot of us have gotten through just based off brute masculinity and yeah, just yeah, like yeah. that kind of survivor instinct type of thing, right? Hunter gatherer type of shit. And here comes a comforter. Right, yeah. who's also a cuddler guy. He's going to hunt and gather and cuddle. Oh, and he's going to rhyme and sing to him. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't beat that shit. We couldn't yeah. do that with that. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. But that's really how he started, right? Those, those early mixtapes were bangers, though. Sure. They really were. They really, but they were, they, were, they were so, they were presented so intimately. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Like these conversations, these songs, these themes. You felt like you were in Drake's bedroom, like sitting like in a dorm room on the other bunk. Listening to him on the phone, like laying back, yeah. oh. laying back on the phone with a girl on that, like, God damn. He's if, I, if I look good. like him, I can do this yeah. shit too. Yeah. <laughs> and the melodics were so different at the time. Yeah, on no, so far no, like gone, he, he was really, he was actually singing, right? Yeah. It was not like an auto tune thing. It yeah. was not like a gimmicky hook type of thing. There were actual, like, full RB style songs on it. And as much as people try to criticize it, 
when Ja Rule did it and 50 Cent sure, did it. Sure. Like, this created an entire new industry. I mean, I'm, I work with the Grammys, right? And they literally had to create a new genre of hip hop because so many people were rapping slash singing in the same songs, right? And we're getting huge traction. Right. So they literally had to create a new category to accommodate that because it didn't fit in the traditional sense of what hip hop presentation was and they didn't feel it was right to mix those two kinds of songs. I have a traditional rapper compete against somebody that's rapping and singing. Those records typically be tend to become bigger commercially mm -hmm. because there there's accessibility to more people based on how broad the song is. Right. So it wasn't fair for people who just make standard hip hop lyrical records to four bar sample beats sure. to compete with some guy that's singing a love song. You know, it's just that's you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? And but luckily the Academy was aware of that. And so, you know, all of that really lends itself to a guy like Drake just really revolutionizing the way music is presented to people. Massive. Well, as, as more new artists as well, obviously we know the impact you've made on Houston in general, but like Travis Scott, what's that? What has he done for Houston, for hip hop? What's your relationship with him? Well, I like the fact that, you know, Travis Scott is, we, we tend to call Travis Scott a rapper. Travis Scott's not a rapper. Travis Scott's a rock star whose primary music is rap. Okay. You know what I'm saying? He's a rager. Like that's, yeah. that's a full on fucking mosh pit yeah. at a Travis Scott show. Like yeah. sometimes he's rapping. Sometimes he's just fucking screaming in the mic. That's rock star shit. Yeah. That's not rap shit. Yeah. You know, raging with the crowd, like jumping up and down. Right. That's rock star shit. Right. But in some cases, hip hop, some of these hip hop artists are the new rock stars. They're yeah. the one like Playboy Cardi and guys like that. They get these people fucking Crazy. fired the fuck up. Oh, they yeah. just start tearing shit up like that's rock star shit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Travis, for me, um, had the ability to actually redefine what an entertainer is who raps. Right. So that's an even deeper extension of what Drake does. Right. Because when you hear rapper, you expect a certain presentation. Right. Travis, none of that is traditional rap presentation. Sure. Right. Like there's rap songs on the album. But when you go to the concert. Right. That is not traditional presentation. It is not built around. Um, look how cool I am. Look how fly I am. Look how dope I am. It's like, look how fucking hyped up I am yeah, kind of yeah. thing, right yeah. let's fucking go I'm ready to just relieve this shit fuck this fuck that if you feel like me fuck them fuck y'all fuck you let's go kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It's, it's teen angst at its finest the only people that do it almost that well is probably run the jewels okay right sure um they're they're just not the typical rager personality type but the soundtrack is pure angst sure and I think Travis carries that same level of of angst. If, but Travis also has that energy that is so so magnetic, right? So when he's screaming, he's Travis gives everything. The only person that gives more that I've ever seen at a concert than Travis Scott is Beyonce. I don't wow. believe anyone. Maybe no, I just thought about it, no, no one I've ever seen gives more of themselves over to a performance on stage entertaining than just Beyonce. Just fully into it, everything on the line. Oh, no, no. I've seen her get off stage and literally collapse. Yeah. Like, into, like, an oxygen mask. Like, Damn. like there's nothing. I've seen her fall, like, roll down steps and get up and hit the beat, the dance up like nothing ever happened, bleeding on the knee. Right. There is nothing that Beyonce cannot do when it comes to entertaining. It's incredible. It's I never incredible. got to see Michael Jackson live. I have to assume it was somewhere, sure. somewhere sure. in that area. Is that moment of you going on stage and performing in front of 
tens of thousands of people? Is that something that can never really be replicated? No, no. I mean, and look, intimate rooms, intimate settings are dope too, right? right. Like I've done shows with like 150 people in a band and you, it becomes, you, you get to communicate on a different level, right? Yeah. You get to literally connect with almost every person in the room personally. I, I can almost look every person in the eye at some point throughout an hour performance in a room that small. Um, but on stage of tens of thousands of people, it's, it's really more about the reciprocation of energy, right? So yeah. it, it really is, man. Like the biggest show I've ever done, I sold 73,000 tickets um, to a performance I did in March. It's the biggest, by far the biggest performance I've ever that's had. huge. In, in my life. Insane. Where is and that? That's at the Houston Livestock uh, Show. The rodeo. rodeo right? yeah, oh, yeah, at wow. the, the football stadium. Yes. Crazy, yeah. yeah. So 28 days, every night, concert in a football stadium. They average like 60,000 people every night. So we did 73,000. And I performed on the rodeo before with Beyonce. But for your name to be on the marquee that night, right? And for seventy three thousand people to come to see you, there, there's nothing like that at all. And it's crazy because, you know, you're in the center. You're literally on the where the logo would be for for the football team. You're in the middle of the stadium. The lights are inward like this, right? So you can't even see people <laughs> sure. really, right? Yeah, and you're that. and you're 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 headphoned in, right? You you got in ear pieces, so you can't even hear the crowd really screaming at times. So you just got to know in the moment. That's what I told the other people that performed with me. I was like, you're not going to see him. You're probably not going to hear him. You just got to know in the moment, you're fucking killing it. You just got to know in that moment, you all 73,000 people are on their feet. It's oh, going no, down in that bitch. You just got to know it. And and a lot of us, we performed at it, and then we didn't see it. And I, I didn't really see the concert. Like until like two days later, because people start putting it up on YouTube. Sure, sure, yeah, right. And um, to see how those records were connecting with tens of thousands of people, like you asked, at one time, right? Because I'm I'm looking at it from my perspective, but then I got to see it from their perspective. Sure. And then a certain song would come on, and somebody would go by, "Oh shit, that's my shit!" And, <laughs> yeah. and it was just, it was amazing, man, to be able to because I've been to concerts where you like, I can't believe I waste my money on this shit. Yeah, you sure, know? sure. It sure. takes a lot for people to commit to come and see you at a concert. You know, typically people have to buy something to wear, get their hair cut. Women got to get, you know, beautified or whatever. Um, couples, you know, parents have to find babysitters. There's all of that type of thing. Even for the rodeo, it's a family event. So you got to bring the kids. So that's a whole other fucking headache bringing like little kids to a <laughs> we rodeo. Know. We trust right? Yeah, we right? Know you. That's a whole other shit. So um, there's a lot of effort and time and energy that people have to exhaust in order to come and see you at a concert, not to mention the finance of it, right? Sure. Yeah. So you just don't want to fuck that up for people. And we had probably, and, and we had, I would say in, in, in my 30 year history, that might've been one of the worst sound checks I've ever had <laughs> in my life. Like we had a three hour block and we didn't start until like maybe hour, two hours and 15 minutes into oh. a three hour. We never rehearsed the show. And I had 14 other people that were supposed to all come out within one hour. And we never, the first time we performed it all the way through was the night we did it live. Oh, in front wow. Of people. Damn. That's and at sound check, I was like, this is going to be the worst shit. We're about to fuck up. And <laughs> it's it's going to be horrible. And in front of 75,000 people. And the first person to go on was, uh, I was Lele. She's 13, 14? My 14. Um, her name's Lele. She actually has a Nickelodeon show. Okay, yeah, yeah. Called yeah. That Girl Lele. And she was the first person to come out. And her sound went out. Like the first 50 seconds of her performance there was no sound oh. to the crowd and the average 14 year old girl would have panicked freaked out 
Man, she stayed committed. She kept rapping, kept doing a performance. They kept dancing. The music eventually came on. I was, I was the most gangster shit I'd ever saw in my life. Because I would have threw the mic down and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm, out of fuck this. I'm, this out. I'm out of this bitch. I don't it's believe. Sorry, folks. Next rodeo. Yeah. Uh, we'll get it right. No. And it just, but it set the tone. Because if she'd panicked, that anxiety would have spread through every performer wondering if their sound right. would have gone out. But the fact that she stayed the course and didn't was unshakable in the moment. Now it's like, well, shit, if the kid can do it, I, I, if the kid made it, I better better fucking do it. Yeah, Yeah. if it go out on me, fuck it. I just got to keep going. So, I mean, it's just amazing that a 14-year-old kid, the youngest, newest performer out of everyone, set the tone for the entire evening. Kept her composure, everything. I love Yeah, no, it's amazing. amazing. That's That's why she's a Nickelodeon star, though. Like, it's, you know, she's She's from Houston, too? Yeah. Wow. Houston's got everything, man. Big time. Well, look, this was an amazing episode. We appreciate you coming on. I love this, man. I can't Um, wait to come. This this was solid. Can we do this again when I come back? Yeah, absolutely. We're right here. You're going to be over there. I'm trying the burgers. Chef Mike just walked in. We're having Trill Burgers. So I'll come back. Mike, we'll bring them burgers. Yeah. Right? And then we'll have Mike talk about the burger journey. Perfect. Burgermeister, not the ma- he's the Burgermeister for sure, right? For now. sure, America's gonna know that very, very soon. The Masters is here, guys. Follow Bumby, get ready for Trill Burgers here in Vegas starting early November for the entire month. Yes, my man, your legend. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you. Thank guys. you guys for having me on the residency. Let's go. We'll see you next week. Later. Yes,